let me jump into our series again on undefeated. I'm going to carry this through to the end of the month. My vision all along has been to fill us with a theology that provides us with hope. How many of you know nothing great has ever been done uh, in Jesus' name and for the kingdom of God if it was not done by people who were fueled by hope? If you don't have hope and you're hopeless, you don't even want to get out of bed in the morning. If you don't have hope for a better future, you're not even going to try to do anything. And let me just tell you, if we have a church that's hopeless, we're going to be missing out on what I believe are our greatest opportunities for the spreading of the gospel and for taking advantage of the surroundings in which we find ourselves. And so I'm wanting to get us out of this uh, prevalent belief in much of the church that things are just going to get worse and worse and worse. The church is going to shrink and shrink and shrink. There's going to be three of us left. We're going to be hiding in a closet somewhere. And, uh, and then Jesus is going to return. I'm looking out. I, I, I was picking on a young man this morning, a, a younger guy in the audience. I said, hey, how old are you? He said, I'm 23 years old. I said, how would you like to tell a 23-year-old young man with his whole life ahead of him that you're going to be a part of a losing endeavor? The church is, is full of losers. We're going to shrink to the end. There's only going to be a few of us that are going to make it. And don't even bother to change human history because it's going to get from bad to worse. But hey, we're glad you're at our church. And someday you're going to die. <laughs> someday you're going to die and go to heaven, and that'll be great. You're gonna t that, that's the best you got for a 20-some-year-old kid who's saying, why do I need the church so I can be a part of a bunch of losers? Well, I don't believe that's the biblical vision at all. And I believe young people should be flocking to the church of Jesus Christ because it's the only vehicle that provides genuine hope for people and the genuine power to bring about hope and change. So I think we got the best thing going. And I share with you what we need to be not doing is getting our cues from the mainstream media. We need to be getting our cues from the greatness of who God is. And the first session, I pointed you to our king. He's an amazing king. He has all power and authority. Nobody trumps his authority. He is the one in charge. He's the king of glory, and he's amazing. And how many of you know if we spent more time meditating on the character of God and his attributes and filling our mind with the beauty of the Lord, it would cause our days to go a whole lot better. So I'm encouraging you, shut the stupid TV off. It's like we're in a, in a weird world where America literally is under a civil war right now. We're not firing guns at each other and bloodshed, at least in most places. But how many of you know we are clearly the divided states of America, and what's dividing us right now is our worldview. We have probably half of Americans who don't believe in the Bible, who don't honor Christ, who don't believe in a Judeo-Christian worldview, and are completely ignorant and lost to the truth about the, 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 the foundation of this nation and the principles that made this nation great. Then we got half of us on the other side who at least somewhat acknowledge all of that. But how many of you know that the, the people that are radically in pursuit of Jesus are not in the majority right now in America, which is why everything's falling apart. So what do you do when things are falling apart? Do you keep watching the news and getting informed about how terrible everything is and how it's going from bad to worse? Or do you get your vision from the Bible and from the Holy Spirit about who we are and what we're called to do? I mean, that's the choice before us. I'm happy, folks. You know why? My TV has not been on other than to watch the Bears and Futility on a Sunday afternoon, but my TV has not been on in a long time. Now, I'm not anti-TV, please hear me, but I am all about focus. What are you focusing on? And I'm telling you, get your eyes on the promises of God.
Get your eyes on the King of glory. Get your eyes on His amazing Son, Jesus, who is resurrected and ascended to His right hand. And then I share with you, get your arms around the mission. What is the mission? Well, we talked about that. The Great Commission, the Dominion Mandate. We talked about pursuing the purposes of God for our generation. How I many you know when God gives the church a mission, He expects us to do it? I want you to feel the weight of this. Like, Jesus is counting on us. Now, he's empowering us, and he set us up for success. But nevertheless, the mission matters to God. We have an important mission. And then I started laying some pillars for you. They all start with the letter P. Last, last time we were together, I talked about hope in the providence of God. What God creates, he also sustains. What God creates, he sustains. It's why I'm not freaking out about having eight kids and my kids, my carbon footprint. Oh my gosh, let's go kill some of my kids. No, I'm not freaking out about that stupid stuff. Because God created the planet and he's going to sustain the planet because the planet belongs to him. So I'm not freaking out about that. I'm also not freaking out about the fact that if God begins a new work in you, it's called new birth, faithful is he who started the work to bring it to completion. So my life, my destiny is right in the hand of God Almighty. And providence means this world is not under the control of devils and demons and all of hell. This planet belongs to God Almighty, and he's moving human history to his appointed end, and nobody and nothing is going to stop him. That's who we worship. Now, I don't know about you, that's the group I want to be a part of. That's the tribe I want to be a part of. That's the God I want to serve. That's who I'm following. And so today we're going to talk about another P, providence last week. Today we're going to talk about hoping in the promises of God. And here's the question I'm trying to get at. What hope and confidence do we have? Not in the last days. I mean, we know Christ is going to return. That is a given. That is a given. And we know our future is bright. Am I speaking to the right crew? Here's what I'm asking you. Is our hope and confidence strong in history? Now. Between now and our days, when our days end, do, is there reason for hope now? Or, or should we expect that things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until the Lord finally comes? That's the question I'm trying to, to answer. Let's take a look at some history. How many of you know it's good to read history? Because you find, how many think we're in kind of dark days right now? You find when you read history that this has happened before. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to whet your appetite, another one of our which we're going to get into next week is the power of God through revival. Because every time the earth gets dark, God does something amazing. God doesn't take a nap. He doesn't fall into depression. He doesn't go, oh my gosh, look at the world. Look what the. No, no, no. Every time the world gets dark, God gets big and powerful and strong. He flexes his right arm. He demonstrates his glory. He pours out his spirit in fresh ways. So look at what John Wesley says here. We have strong reason to hope that the work that he hath begun, talking about God, he will carry on until the day of the Lord Jesus that he will never intermit this blessed work of his spirit until he has fulfilled all his promises, until he hath put a period to sin, a period on the end of misery, a period on the end of infirmity, 
and a period on the end of death itself and has reestablished universal holiness and happiness and caused all the inhabitants of the earth to sing together, Hallelujah! How many of you know that is a positive, pregnant, hope-filled view of the future that John Wesley had, which is why an entire movement was birthed out of this man's heart and vision. I believe God wants to birth new movements in the earth today out of men and women whose hearts are pregnant with the same kind of hope. Now let's take a look at the God that we serve. He is a covenant-making, promise-keeping God. Can I get an amen? How many of you have made covenant with God Almighty? Okay, what's the matter with the rest of you? Come on, you're missing out on something here. How I many know? I just I just did a, a wedding yesterday, and I love to celebrate covenant because in the wedding ceremony, I like to point out that covenants are costly. Covenants involve the shedding of blood. How I many know that's pretty serious when we start shedding blood? And and Christian marriage is a covenant that is made through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so marriages are formed at the foot of the cross. But how many of you know when you bow your knee to Christ that you enter into a covenant relationship with him and he's committed to the end? He is faithful. He is true. No questions asked. He is a covenant-making, promise-keeping God, which means when he says something to us as his covenant bride, his word is good. It's as good as gold. Take it to the bank. Unless you have any doubts about that, let me just encourage your hearts today. Take a look with me. This is Joshua's words at the end of his life after the conquest of Canaan, Joshua chapter 21, and look at what he says. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. I mean, that's an incredible promise. Now, this is what we do uh, at the Johnson household with promises like this, because I'm in the covenant with the same God. How about you? So this is what I do when I read passages like this. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord has given to the Johnson family was ever left unfulfilled. Everything God has spoken for my family will absolutely be fulfilled. I'm in covenant with him. How about you? Now that verse made me happy right now. Some of you, you guys, the earlier service was more awake than you guys. Come on, you need to wake up. This is the word of the Lord. For your family, if you believe. All right, I'm gonna. Some of you, I gotta warm you up. I gotta warm you up. All right, I don't have to. The, the word of the Lord has to. Second Samuel, David said this. Second Samuel 22. God's way is perfect. That means when I don't understand what's going on, when I don't like what's going on, I can trust that there's a God in perfect wisdom who's ordering my steps and ordering human history. God's way is perfect. And all the Lord's promises prove true. Hallelujah. Look at Psalm 145. David's on a roll here. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and you rule throughout all generations. That's, that's how big and powerful God is. The Lord always keeps his promises, and he is gracious in everything that he does. What a promise from God. 
God says, I am going to be kind to you. I'm going to be good to you. I'm going to be gracious to you, and I will keep every promise I've ever uttered for your life and over your family. That's the kind of God that I am, that he's a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God. That's our God. Now, how many of you know it's the promises of God that are the foundation of genuine hope? This is why you cannot be biblically illiterate, because if you're illiterate, you will soon be hopeless. If you don't read, you cannot have faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. In your darkest time, shut off the TV and get into the word of God. Feed your soul. Feed your mind. Renew your heart. Quote the promises of God. Declare, even when it looks like darkness all around you, that the Lord is your light and your salvation. Be a man or woman that finds God in the midst of the shakings that are going around. This is why we sit under the Word. Today I'm preaching the Word. You're sitting under the Word. That's because we're receiving the truth into our spirits about who God is. And we have to do this over and over and over again because we're ignorant, all right? And it doesn't stick. Now turn with me to Acts 2.32 because I want to connect the promises of God and the mission of God this morning. Because again, we're asking this question. What do the promises of God have to do with inspiring hope as we leave here today and go out into an American culture that is becoming increasingly godless and dark and where perverted things are accepted now as normal that 100 years ago would have shocked any America, American that that could be something that could be embraced. It's happening at an alarming rate all across this country. I'm telling you, it's reason for hope, not reason for despair. Look with me in Acts chapter 2. Let's read this together. This is Peter preaching. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses to this. Now, can we just pause? I mean, you know, the resurrection gives us great hope. God is alive and well. His son Jesus is resurrected from the grave. And all of you, I'm looking out, I'm seeing faces of those even in the last months who have lost loved ones. This is the foundation of hope. This is the foundation of hope. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has conquered death. He is our older brother. He is the first fruits of what's to come. This is why the Goff family, this is why the Huseman family, this is why every family in here, the Freeman family, I'm looking out at folks who have lost loved ones. This is the rock-solid foundation of our hope. Jesus Christ is alive. That's why I get excited. And the Bible says this, now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. It's great to have a living Savior. It's even better to have a living victorious Savior. And I shared a couple weeks ago, he's ascended. He's at the Father's right hand. He is sharing the place of glory and power. He's the first human. He, remember, he bears his humanity. He has the resurrected body. Jesus is the first human to break through heaven and wait for us. He crossed the finish line in his humanity. This is awesome. And he's ascended and seated in power. We need to see this this morning. He's running the show even now. And the Bible says, and the Father, as he promised, as he promised, gave him the Holy Spirit. Picture Jesus taking the Holy Spirit and dumping him out on all of us. If, if the Holy Spirit was water, all right? Dumping him out on all of us. That's a powerful picture there. Just as you see and hear today. 
Jesus said, it's better, it's expedient for me to leave you guys. It's going to be better for you. Jesus, how could it be better with you leaving planet Earth? Here's how it's better. Because I'm going to pour my Holy Spirit out, as I promised, on all flesh. We're going to get into that next week. The Holy Spirit is the game changer. The Holy Spirit takes the person of Jesus and makes him on the inside of us as close as our breath. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be with you to accomplish the mission from beginning to end. I created you. I'm going to sustain you. This is great news so far. I've only got two verses into this. For David, verse 34, David himself never ascended into heaven, and yet David said, the Lord said to my Lord, he's prophesying here, God the Father speaking to God the Son, sit in the place of honor at my right hand. He's referring to the ascension. Until I humble your enemies making them a footstool under your feet. This is why Christ has not returned yet. The church has a mission. Our mission is to bring principalities and powers, to bring every wicked thought that dishonors God, that exalts itself in pride, to pull down strongholds. This is the warfare of the church. I'll tell you why America's falling apart, because we've turned our back on God. I'll tell you why America's falling apart, because we're embracing uh, and re- we're embracing uh, idolatry and we're rejecting the commandments of God Almighty. This is why there's a curse on this nation and why we're seeing everything unravel. So what do we do? We don't retreat. We don't look for a closet. We don't, we don't you know, do this with our fingers and bite our nails and freak out. We don't live in fear and hysteria. And we're not looking for Jesus to return any second because things are starting to shake. This is a mandate for the church to subdue every enemy of Jesus under his feet. It's, an, it's a mandate for us to go after this thing. It's a mandate to preach the gospel. It's a mandate to start schools. It's a mandate to run for school boards. It's a mandate to get involved. Take back the culture. That's what the Great Commission is about. Yes, lead people to Christ. And then disciple them and teach them to obey all things so that the culture is blessed. This is what it's about. So everybody that's starting to look to the heavens again, stop it. There's an assignment for us to do. The heavens are going to take care of themselves. In the meantime, Jesus is waiting until we make his enemies his footstool. Look at verse 36. So let everyone in Israel know for certain. Know for certain. What are we supposed to know for certain? Let everybody in living stones know this for certain. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. I mean, you know, those are two things about Jesus that you need to be for certain. He's the Messiah, and he is Lord. He's Messiah on the basis of his perfect, sinless life and his powerful resurrection from the grave. And he is Lord by virtue of his ascension to the Father's right hand. These are two historical events so that we are without excuse. If you're here today, I'm telling you, we're without excuse not to bow the knee to Jesus. He is is risen and he is ascended. And Peter says, I know for certain that what I'm preaching is true. That's the kind of certainty that needs to grip our hearts. It goes on, look at verse 38. Peter replied, each of you, turn to your neighbor and say, each of you, he's talking to you, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. This is important. Repenting means you turn away from wickedness. It means you're not having anything to do with the old you 
old ways of thinking, old ways of living. Turn from wickedness and turn to the Lord. You know, I always give this example of a, of a trapeze artist. You know, that trapeze artist, to be successful, he grabs onto, he stands on this side, right, and grabs the, the trapeze and swings. And when he gets in the middle, there's an important transference that needs to happen. He's got to let go of this trapeze, and he's got to grab onto the other trapeze to get him to the other side. I mean, you know, in the church, there's a lot of people in the middle like this. They want to go to the other side, but they don't want to let go of all the garbage, all the perversion, all the compromise, all the wickedness. And you know what? This is not a good place. You have to let go. You have to turn from sin. You got to stop thinking like the world. Stop acting like the world. And then you got to embrace righteousness. This is what it means to be converted. Now, this is the first, I'm going to say something. This is the first message preached to birth the church. How many of you think there's stuff in here that's important? The resurrection we covered. The ascension we covered. Jesus Christ's identity as Savior and Lord covered. Jesus' mission, subduing all of his enemies, covered. How do we get to experience this? Turn from sin. Turn to God. Be baptized. Bury the old you. Two weeks, two weeks. Sign up if you haven't been water baptized. Publicly identify. I am no longer the scoundrel I used to be. That person is dead. I am a new creature in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. Listen, you can't experience the fullness of Jesus until you're willing to throw the garbage away and start living differently. you got to change. Come on, Jesus. It gets better. It gets better. We throw it away. We turn. And here's what we receive. First of all, forgiveness. All of our past washed away. And it gets better because, I mean, you know, that just, that just washes the slate clean. But then listen to what the Bible says. This is a template of apostolic preaching. The Bible says, then, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you. This promise is to your kids. This promise is for those generations away. All who call upon the name of the Lord, who turn from wickedness, who turn to the Lord, who receive forgiveness. This promise, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God filling our lives. This is the promise that God says we need, and this is the fulfillment of it, which happens at Pentecost. But how many of you know that's just the first outpouring? There's going to be ongoing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a little foretaste for next week. This is why, no matter how dark the world gets, we are always prisoners of hope, because when it's pitch black outside, look to the east, because the sun is going to rise. At the first gleam of sunrise, you know God is not done. He's not going to allow us. His reputation to be trampled. God will pour out his spirit over and over and over again and resurrect a dead church and he'll awaken a dark culture. He does it over and over throughout human history. Now I want you to all circle verse 40. This is probably the most important verse in this passage. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Hallelujah. Finally, I get some credit. All right. 
Some of you are going, Pastor, you always have four closings. I'm being biblical. <laughs> Cut me some slack. Isn't that interesting? We're talking about the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus, repenting of your sin, and that Peter preached a long time. All in the same paragraph. I just find that kind of humorous. Now, I was talking to a man this morning. He came last Sunday. It was his first Sunday. He came back this weekend, and I was cracking up because I knew what was, I was going to preach about, and he said to me, yeah, it was a little, service was a little long last week. I'm like, pff, pff, pff. he's going to think I'm preaching at him second, this service when I get to that passage and talk about, talk about Peter being a little long-winded. In fact, you all remember when Paul preached that one time, the guy fell out of the window, and he had to go back and resurrect him from the dead. So I haven't done that yet. Thank God we're... Thank God we're on ground level, all right? No second stories. All right, anyway. Peter preached a long time. But here's why. He was urging his listeners, come on, folks, save yourself from this perverted and crooked generation in which we live. Stop living like the world. Let's be different. Let's be sold out for Jesus. And I want you to see what happened. Look at verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said, were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Where is this setting taking place? This is in the same setting where Jesus Christ was beaten beyond recognition and tortured and nailed to a cross. Peter was Mr. Chicken. Y'all remember him? Mr. Chicken. I don't know this guy. Who's preaching the message? Listen to me. A man who repented who was restored, and listen, who was baptized in the Holy Spirit and given boldness and fire. And Peter is preaching like a man on fire. And that day, 3,000 people from the same city that wickedly crucified the Messiah come running to Christ. Now, why am I saying that? Because that was the beginning. And remember what I told you, that which God creates, he sustains. Let me ask you this question. Do you think Jesus is coming back? for a church that's less than the beginning? Or is he coming back for a church that started powerfully and is going to end with even greater power and glory? I don't think he's going to watch this amazing first episode with Peter, and then from then on, everything literally peters out in the church. Are you kidding me? Why are we going to go from great to pathetic? Is that really the vision Jesus has for his bride? We're a bunch of losers. We're trying to hold on to the end. There's only going to be a handful of us that make it. Are you kidding me? Let's say, well, say, well pastor, you, you know, that's always what we've been taught. Well, why don't we look at some of what the Bible says, all right? That would be good. Let's look at what the Bible says. Because I believe that we have a promise of global triumph and that Christ's mission through his people is going to win. Let's take a look at mission accomplished. This is what Jesus said about his church in Matthew 16. I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it or will not prevail. Can I, can I just say this again? I want you to hear it. All the power of hell, every combined effort of every demon and Satan himself, together combined in one concerted thrust, has no power over the church of Jesus Christ. That's my church. How about you? That's my church. The church that Jesus is building. I told you this before. 
You are Jesus' church. Don't ever put my name on this church. I'm not big enough to sustain it. I'm not big enough to lead it. But Jesus is big enough. He builds it. He creates it. He leads it. And listen, he leads us forth into victory. You're winners, people. We're kicking down gates of hell. We're not hiding in here. When things get dark, we get louder. You know, here's what I'm excited about. God is waking up the church all across America. There's people standing. There's people standing for liberty. There's people standing. They get liberty, but they haven't got to Jesus yet, but they, they know enough that nobody in Washington, D.C. should be telling them how to make personal, private decisions for their lives. People in America have a rich tradition of freedom. What many don't know is it's rooted in the Scriptures. It's rooted in Christ Himself. So we're, we are getting primed because people are being awakened to craziness that's happening all around us. This is going to be our finest hour. We don't shrink back. We start kicking doors down in the Spirit. We start getting engaged more than we ever have. We we start declaring the truth about God's word out there in the culture, at our universities. I'm looking at some university students here today. Be more bold than you've ever been in your classroom for Jesus. Stand on truth louder than you've ever stood. Those of you in the public schools, declare the truth. Here's one act of, of, of rebellion. Bring your Bible with you to school. Better yet, live what's in the Bible when you bring it with you to school. But publicly identify with Christ. When I was 16, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, been raised in a Christian family, but I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit changed my life, and the Lord just said, bring your Bible to school. I'm like, Lord, are you serious? That's not the most, you know, cool thing uh, when you're, you know, walking around with your Bible. He said, bring your Bible. He said, do it if for no other reason that you are going to publicly identify with me. How many of you know that's important to do? And people know, hey, and then here's the thing. It's like when you put that fish on the back of your bumper. You better drive like somebody who knows what that fish means. You know? Like you got the name of your church on your car. Some of you are saying, Pastor, why don't we have Livingstone's bumper stickers? Hey, it's trying to cut our losses, you know what I'm saying, right? Hey, now's the time to shine unashamedly it's the time to shine how about this verse luke 19 13 jesus doing a nice parable here he says occupy till i come in other words do business invest put my money to work jesus tells the story he's getting ready to leave and he hands over his some of his his guys some of some property to manage while he is away i mean you know when he comes back he doesn't want that to find that dug into a hole in the ground hidden he wants it to be used in other words Take what he's given us and use it and use it and use it and build and build and build until he comes so that he says, well done. You guys didn't cower away and quit. You got engaged. You used what I gave you. Come on, you, put, you pressed it to the limits. Great job, great job. Listen to me. There's a value in fighting the good fight of faith. Sometimes it doesn't always end the way we want it, but there's value in fighting and value in standing and value in believing and value in quoting the promises of God. And listen, finishing well to your last breath. God rewards stuff that the earth does not reward because this is not the end. So I want to encourage you all, keep fighting, keep believing, keep believing for big things in your life. Keep trusting God to do what only God can do.
How about this next verse? Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Ah, oh, man, when we're singing, let every heart confess that he is Lord of all and that all is about exalting King Jesus. I just picture the multitude as far as the eye could see bowing and worship. You talk about a concert of praise. Oh, my goodness, it's going to be incredible. What a picture, every knee. How about this? How many of you believe the great commission Jesus gave us is going to be finished? Like it's not going to be, oh, sorry, we didn't quite get around to it. It's going to be finished. The gospel is going to be preached in all the world. Disciples are going to be made of all nations. That's coming. How many of you believe that Christ's enemies are going to be made his footstool? I believe it. It's not coming back till it happens, so I mean, you know, we better, we better be serious about it. I mean, you know, the Father will deny nothing to His Son which relates to the extension of His kingdom to the uttermost parts of the world. I preached in our series on the Psalms. The first, first chapter we preached on was Psalm 2, where it said, the Father says to the Son, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. How many of you believe that what God promised His Son will absolutely come to pass? Every nation part of the inheritance of Jesus. How many of you believe Matthew 24, 14, the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end is going to come? How many of you know that's going to happen in our lifetime? In fact, that can't happen outside of our lifetime in the sense that it's not, it's not, that's not an end time when Jesus returns promise. That's a promise that has to happen before he returns. Let me just say this. That's why I love reading and I love history. You cannot find one missionary movement that was not born out of a person's passion and hope about the promises of God actually be, being fulfilled. In other words, no one's going to leave this country and go to a foreign country where they don't speak the language, they don't eat the food, the climate's different, everything's different. Why would you go? Why would you leave? Why would you go do something bold and crazy if you believe that your efforts are doomed to failure? Why would you do that? Nobody would do that. So on the one hand, we had the extreme Calvinist who said, if God wants to save people, he'll do it, and nobody needs to go anywhere. I mean, you know, that's, that's a compromise of the clear command of Scripture. In other words, it, it confuses the means with the ends. We have to go. We have to preach. People have to hear. And yes, God saves, but people have to go. Can I just say this? Every bold venture ever you know, embarked on by human beings has always been attacked by Christians. I didn't say the world. I said the church. I was reading historical accounts of William Carey wanting to go to India to preach the gospel, and it was the Ministerial Association that shot him down because they had a pathetic view of the future. And listen, if you have no hope, you have no faith. And if you have no faith, you're not going to try to step out and do anything for God. So can you understand? You have to be possessed by hope. And the only hope you're going to get takes you back to the promises of God. And the promises of God are found in the scriptures. And so we've got to be people of the word. And we have to be people that grab a hold and fight with the word of God. So how about this? Right now at Living Stones, there is such an acceleration of these roar schools in the nations of the world. We're frankly trying to keep up with what God's doing. That's just Living Stones, one local church. 
Four new schools in Honduras. Look at it, two new schools in Pakistan. These are for training. This is training for the harvest. These are all people that have come to know Christ and, and are called to shepherd and pastor people in these countries. I didn't even tell you this. The one church, when, I, when we went to the very first um, uh, crusade, by the way, I went over to support this guy. I told him, don't, I don't really want to do anything while I'm there. Don't feel the need to put me to work. I just come in to support you and cheer you on. I want to get to know you. I want to build a relationship with you. I got off of the airplane, and the next event I'm at is a crusade with more people I've ever seen in my life, and he says, you're preaching. <laughs> That's how it started. Now, we invested to help get people there, and here's the side story that will only be fully known in heaven. We paid for buses for this one village of people that came, hundreds of them. None of them knew the Lord. Many of them were demonized because they're idol worshipers and involved in all kinds of stuff. And at that conference, the word came back to us that that village, like everybody on those buses, gave their life to Christ. Many of them went through deliverance. And here's the, here's the latest report I got. Pastor Ron, that village now has a church and they want to know if it's okay to call their church Living Stones. <laughs> I'm like, hey, it's in the Bible. Feel free to use it, all right? It's not, it wasn't ours. But here's my point. How many of those side stories, and, and, and here's what gets me. Will the Lord be saying, you guys, great job. Way to believe me. Way to step out. Because let me show you fully what happened or will he be saying, if you only, why didn't you believe me? Why did you have such a loser mentality? Why did you anticipate failure instead of believing my promises? Oh, I don't want to hear that ever spoken over us. Look at Psalm 22. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. Now listen to me. This is not talking about when Jesus returns. This is talking about a great end-time harvest before the return of Christ. The whole earth, in terms of people turning their hearts to Christ, in, ter in terms of the, a multitude of people coming to the Lord, I believe in a great end-time harvest. And I believe we're going to see a massive harvest with our eyes in the weeks ahead. Let me, let me not be guilty of being Peter here this morning and try to wrap this up. Psalm 72, all kings will bow before him and nations will serve him. What a powerful promise. And look at Isaiah 11, verse 9. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. Oh, my word. The earth is going to be full of people who know the Lord. This is amazing. And I believe this is part of the end-time promises we should be standing on because God is able to perform what he has promised. So let me close with this last volley. Don't let the newspaper headlines or the mainstream media set the agenda for planet Earth. Amen? And I'm not going to listen to the billionaires and the globalists who think they're going to redirect human history according to their plans. Their plans will absolutely fall flat on their faces. But here's what we need to be doing. We must fix our eyes on the incredible promises of God and the global triumph of the gospel in human history. 
in human history, the global triumph of the gospel in human history. In other words, God is not done with us. And let me challenge you with this last quote. I'll end with this. This is from William Shedd in his History of Christian Doctrine. He said, if the church could be aroused to a deeper sense of the glory that awaits her, she would enter with a warmer spirit into the struggles that are before her. Hope would inspire ardor and love. It is our unfaithfulness, our negligence and unbelief, our low and carnal aims that retard the chariot of the Redeemer. The bridegroom cannot come until the bride has made herself ready. Let the church be in earnest after greater holiness in her own members, and in faith and love undertake the conquest of the world. And she will soon settle the question whether her resources are competent to change the face of the earth. Oh, I love that quote. How will we ever know if the promises of God for global transformation are true? Try it. Give your life to it. Watch what God can do through people that have chosen to believe that God is great, that his son is alive and victorious that the church has been given an amazing mission, that history is moving according to the providence of God, and that his church is being undergirded with the promises of God, which are promises of sure victory and blessing. That is the kind of church I want to be a part of. So I want to encourage all of you, grab a hold of the promises of God. Be praying for revival in America and in the nations of the world. How about this? Can we be more bold and unashamed than we ever have? You know, I used to speak down at the state house and, you know, family policy people would say, you know, you pastor types, when you speak, you know, you need to, you need to make sure that you're not being too preachy. And like when you talk, you need to quote like social policy, like studies, like studies have shown that what the Bible says is really true, but studies have shown that because you're in a you're in a neutral, religiously plural setting, and God forbid we offend somebody. Those days are gone. That approach has got us into the mess that we're currently in. I'm going to go back to the original source and quote, Thus saith the Lord. In fact, one of my greatest joys was standing on the floor of the house uh, with a balcony of folks who were promoting marital perversion and simply saying, thus saith the Lord. You talk about stirring up spirits, all right? It's time, though, that all of you are prophetic because you're full of the Holy Spirit. We're part of a prophetic church that declares truth. We believe the truth is the good news. We believe the good news leads to maximum blessing for Christians and atheists. Uh, and the God, listen, whatever it is, we believe that the truth leads to maximum blessing. Am I speaking to the right crowd? So it's time that we start declaring the truth, living the truth, laying our lives down for the truth, and watch what God does. You're going to see, I believe, with your eyes, what did Jesus say in John 11? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. As for me and my house, we're believing. And uh, we're going to run hard. And we're going to push the envelope. Any envelope pushers in here? We're going to push the envelope. We're going to press into the promises. And we're going to die trying. Amen. Here's what I want to do. Hop to your feet with me this morning. I want our, some of our ministry team to come on up here and join me.
Thank you, Lord. You know, I just, we're in a season of, I believe, harvest even now. God's moving. Last Sunday, with Pastor Mike sharing and extending an invitation, many, many people responded, all three services. It's, it's really a time, and I'm speaking to the church here, I'm speaking to believers. It's a time to repent, to turn away from, and to turn to. And I just feel like there might be some people in the room here this morning that the Lord's really saying, you know, there's so much more. I've got more. I've got more. I've got more. But you got to let go. You're like that trapeze artist I talked about. You got to let go of the old you in the past and you got to truly repent and let me give you my spirit and let me give you my inheritance. So some of you, I feel like, need to do that. There might be some of you that just don't know Christ and what a great time to surrender. But listen, here's what I want to go after. I believe that there are many in the room that are just struggling with a spirit of unbelief. And again, it's not the end of the world. We all struggle with unbelief. Even some of the disciples said, Jesus, we believe, but help our unbelief. So it's okay to admit that I'm just struggling. But I just want to encourage you to develop a mentality of victory. When you face challenges, see what God's doing. Watch how He's fathering you and believe on the other side of the challenge that there's breakthrough and victory. And begin to move in that and declare that with your mouth. So if you are in a place where you're struggling or you need prayer, or maybe it's a physical struggle or a health issue, whatever it is, we just want to tell you, we love you and God loves you. And there's promises God's given to you that we want to stand with you and, and agree with. All right. So Father, thank you for your word. God, may we leave here today full of hope. And God, even this week, let us have eyes to see the harvest field that's all around us right now, Lord, with people that are being shaken to the core. Help us bring hope and truth and peace and blessing. And Father, just glorify your great name. We're believing the earth is going to be full of the knowledge of the, of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. So Father, in our lifetime, we're contending for revival and for an outpouring of your presence, Lord. Have mercy on America. Awaken your church, God. Awaken us here as living stones and use us for your purposes. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, don't forget to sign up out there on important things. Marriage class at four. If you're brand new, we want to meet you, all right? So don't leave. Come on down and say hi. We'd love to meet you. All right? Love you all. Have a great day.